Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, a podcast where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek. This week, I guess we'll get into the topic of trustworthy weather. Before we go there, can I take a moment and mention that it's National Weather Podcast Month? Yes, it is back. Well, it was probably back while I was on hiatus. It's been back every March as far as I know, but I guess I'm part of it again. Uh, I had completely forgotten such a thing existed, but the folks who kind of organized it the first time, the people over at uh, Stormfront Freaks, have made sure that uh, they're tweeting about it. I think they even put something in Facebook. We probably don't have the same level of you know, web presence that it did a few years ago, but it's a good reminder. And, you know, if you follow Twitter, you can just go look it up. National Weather Podcast Month, March each year. Just put it on your calendar. But I, I bring it up because different people have different levels of interest in weather. This podcast doesn't focus so much on the weather itself, right? We tend to talk about weather connections, if you will. Some people really like just digging into weather, whether it's you know the idea of storm chasing or whether it's the idea of just what's going on in the weather world. So there's podcasts out there for everybody, depending on what you're interested in. So take a look. If you follow me on Twitter, whether it's the podcast or me personally, you'll see me probably mention it a couple more times this month. But just know it's out there. There's a lot of good choices. Some have come and gone. I mean, I you know I miss a couple of the groups like the Weather Junkies and. Uh, weather hype in particular that I knew back in the day and when we first got started with that project. But there's some new players, and again, it might be stuff that's more in line with, with what your interests are. We'll see. Now, I I guess I'm going through a bit of a, I don't know, sad period with weather. My snow started to melt. I did get out and do a hike this weekend, and there was some still left. But, you know, it's kind of down, kind of disappointed. Spring's coming. People will probably wonder why I'm I, not a summer fan, more of a winter fan. I think it really just boils down to growing up in a climate where summer just meant you know, sweating all the time. And, well, I don't mind getting active and being a little sweaty. I didn't like the fact that it was kind of hard to get unsweaty, and it took a lot of air conditioning to do that. And I think that's probably where my bias comes from. Any case, got a, I've got a favor to ask of you guys, and I'm going to bring it up front. Sometimes I ask these things at the end, but I wanted to bring it up in the beginning because I know not everybody always makes it to the end of every episode. You've heard me mention that there are a variety of places that you can get your podcast feed from. A lot of people get it from Apple particularly anybody with a you know an Apple device, they get it right from iTunes or from Apple Podcasts now or wherever it is. But it, it's pretty set, right? People in the Android space or people that get it from the computer may get it from other sources and maybe Apple folks too. Uh, Google Play is no longer doing it, but Google Podcast, you know, they Google likes to change things around, not keep anything the same. But you heard me mention I've added Spotify at some point, and I've been surprised. There's been a fair uptake of people catching the episodes there. But what I'm really more curious about, so if you if you listen to this podcast and if you don't use one of the main sort those main three sources, either Google's built-in stuff, 
just a, a podcast app that you put the feed into. The, those are, you don't need to tell me about those. Although I'm always curious what people, what apps people use or the Apple, you know, the standard Apple one or Spotify. If you use the Amazon or Stitcher or TuneIn or any of these others where it's actually all contained in the app itself, let me know. I don't mind adding the podcast to some of these apps, but I started looking at it and it's just one more thing to kind of keep up with. And when you're kind of a one person circus car clown thing going on, it gets to be just one more thing to try to keep up with. And so I don't want to have an endless source, but I also don't mind adding it if it's relatively useful to a group of people. Like they'd like to see it in. I just have never imagined I'd ever go to Audible for listening to podcasts. But the world's changed, right? There's a lot of people, a lot of places. Podcasts are in. It's a new thing, particularly in the past year with, with COVID and everything. So just let me know. All right. Let's get to the main story trustworthy weather. Really, we're going to talk about trust and weather. Not a new topic for us, right? We've talked about how to trust forecasters in general way back, right? A long time ago. Could you trust them if they're on social media? Do you, which models do you trust? The words that are involved, right? Even about trustworthy robots, all, all these things. But it's probably the question I get asked the most often, and it's come to me a few times recently, particularly in a year like this where I've been around some you know, storms that the difference between a few miles could mean major shifts. I always get it during hurricane season. Who should I trust for my forecast? And because... It's come to me as that type of question. I wanted you to, I'm going to walk you through how I, I make that decision, both historically, like when I was a kid, right? First learning to pick a trustworthy source. But how I would do it now, because it's going to be different for everybody. And I want you to be able to do it. Heck, this process can apply not just for weather, right? That That's the whole point of the podcast, right? So this episode is going to talk about selecting trust for things that matter, because you know, it could be, how do you decide who to trust with investments? How to decide who to trust with your life, right? So hopefully these things, while it's it's a model that works for me and everybody's going to be a little different, we'll give you an idea of at least how I walk through the process. But we'll do it around the context of weather in particular. And I really think there's, you, know, it, you could also ask the question is, do you need to trust or under what circumstances? And that's one of the other reasons it varies quite a bit for person to person walking through this process. Some people might need to just do it in life and death weather situations. And in some regions, you know, that, that just may not be a normal thing. It's a very rare thing. And quite frankly, even if you live, if you live in a region that doesn't have enough weather that can be life threatening, if a life threatening weather event did come into play, the people who you normally get your regular weather from might not be a good source to trust for, informing you during that period. That's the tricky part, right? So let's let's talk about it. There's going to be this first thing, right, of who do you believe more than anything else? And I think this comes into play with people getting weather for any activity, but it may not need to be to what I would call a trust level. So generally, who do you believe? What source do you believe? What individual person might you believe? 
Then who are you confident in? I, I kind of take that to the next level. So one is, you know, eliminate anybody. I just don't believe what they're telling me. Next is I'm confident that what they're doing is is well thought out, right? That they've put some some thoughtful consideration into what they're telling you, what their sources of information are. But maybe that confidence in what they're doing, because you don't grade their forecast on whether it was useful, and I, I'm not, I don't want to say accurate yet, but it was useful when you had to make a trustworthy level decision. Okay. So I've put a couple of links in the show notes about trust in general. Like I said, I wanted to break away from doing it in just a weather context and just think about lies. So there are two articles and they each look at at a couple of different things. One is about what creates trust, right? And, and they kind of go through a listing of things. I think that's the Forbes article that I listed. Uh, so, you know, they may have gone in and said, okay, trust is... It's about someone being reliable. Some of the things I just mentioned a moment ago, reliable, transparent, right? They, they tell you where they get their stuff from. They're not hiding anything from you. They are competent, sincere. They're fair. They're open. I think in the end, what I look for when it comes to weather and trust in all those phrases is someone who's upfront about why a forecast might end up being bad and after the fact doesn't blame everything else goes, Listen, you know, I told you before, this is this is why this forecast was risky. And my interpretation based on that evidence wasn't spot on. Now, I, I think it's fair for them to say, you know, everybody got it wrong or, you know, it, you know, we missed across the board. But what I don't like, and I'll, and I'll give you an example of this. There was actually a weather app that someone suggested to me to try out, right? So I tried it out and it was neat visually, something a little different. I like the idea of it, but I was trying to understand a little bit about how they came up with their design because some of it wasn't necessarily intuitive to me. I'm a different case. I get that. So I started reading some of the reviews and some people were commenting on why didn't you use this element of standard design, right? And the person said, well, standard design falls so short and mine's better. Instead of taking the approach of there's limitations with standard design, and we've tried to enhance that. We built on a base level of this, or, or here's why we didn't. They were very quick to be judgmental of the other thing and blaming anybody who had a negative opinion as if they were wrong. And I even watched someone who brought up a, a re, in the review that said, you know, you're constantly saying that, you know, everybody else has these issues, yet, you know, these are some valid points. And that person went out and said, well, I'm right. Essentially, it was what they were saying. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to trust that app, right? That, that just, it makes me edgy as to why they're being so defensive about things. Second part of that process, the, a different article, okay, talked about two types of trust. One was effective and one was cognitive, Effective is the emotional trust. We trust family members because they're our family, or we trust a friend because they're our friend. And it's an emotional-based decision that isn't necessarily based on any results. Okay, So a lot of times we'll give family the benefit of the doubt again and again and again until they consistently don't do what they say they're going to do. 
It's a natural thing. We all do that. Not all of us, but many of us do that. It's a natural tendency to want to trust those people that we like. And I think a lot of this is born out of the fact that we tend to be more trustworthy when we're in a good mood. If we're in a negative mood, we tend not to be trustworthy. So the same thing can happen the other way. You, you, a family member, family member or a friend might get a bad rap because you know, you're in a bad mood that day or, and maybe they've let you down before, but you're, you're going, no, I'm not going to believe you this time sort of thing. And maybe there's no reason to do it that way either. But the flip side of that, the cognitive analysis is where you pay attention truly to the results, right? And you give it a fair shake. You take the emotion out of the judging process and you say, okay, this is a process of what my criteria are, how they've performed. And maybe you go back to those six words. When they messed up, were they honest about they messed up and why they messed up? Did they accept their fair part of the blame? When, you know, if they got it wrong, did they say, hey, in this case, I just got it wrong, right? And in trying to do that, that's from where you can hopefully, maybe based on different thresholds, determine who you're going to believe in different cases and why you might believe it. And again, with weather, when does it matter? When does it matter for you? You know, if you're making life and death decisions for you, it's one threshold. But if you're doing it for family members, maybe that peaks up to the next level. If you're doing it with the business world or, you know, emergency management, and you've got tons of lives or assets under your control, uh, control might be the wrong word, but under your influence, you know, trust might become even more meaningful or when weather matters might become more meaningful. So I think even in the first step, you've got to define that. And like I said, for you, most of the time, weather may not be relevant yet for others, it might be a daily thing. So I think the more important weather is for you, you probably need to go through, make sure you're looking at that cognitive side of things and evaluating to the best you can without letting emotions play. All right. So how do you do it? How do you do it with weather forecasters specifically? And, and I'll give you an example of this. I've, I've got, I came across somebody on YouTube. Someone mentioned it or showed it to me. There's somebody on YouTube who, who goes and does, I don't know, 20 to 30 minute video every day. I mean, kudos to them for doing that. I don't, I don't know that I could do that. And it's just a bunch of weather maps. And they, they talk about how I'm giving you the greatest, you know, up-to-the-date weather and what severe risks are and all this stuff. person has no weather background from what I could tell. They're invoking a religious connection, which I'm sure is helping them. But they've had 4 million video views in just over a year, about a year and a couple months. So they're making money doing it. Now, they claim that they're putting all that money to you know help people around the world or whatever. I hope they are. I do. But I still look at that person and go, okay, even if you're a weather enthusiast, even if you have that, you know, interest in weather, am I really going to trust getting a weather forecast from you? I'm not personally going to trust them. Might I find them entertaining? Do I think the person necessarily says bad things wrong? I haven't watched enough videos to tell you that. The one that I watched, they seem to be stating the obvious, but they seem to just be stating what other people were saying. And actually, if you look at a lot of YouTubers that talk about weather, even ones that I consider credible, they tell you this is for entertainment. You know, they put those, another one of those disclaimer things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the front of their videos. 
part of that's for their protection, and I get that, right? They want to limit their liability. But end of day, is that where you're going to go for the source? Maybe it is. Maybe in this day and age, YouTube's the best source for you to get a quick weather forecast, right? But how do you find those people? How do you find who you're going to trust? And I'm going to give you an example from when I was growing up. And we'll kind of take it from there. When I was growing up in Atlanta, I had a lot of choices. A lot of local television stations, radio stations, newspaper sources. It was all before you know, we had the internet, per se. I had the Weather Channel. You know, a lot of people don't know. The Weather Channel was right there. The headquarters were in Atlanta. So I had all these different options available to me. A lot of credible ones. And some of those people I have relationships with, you know, as a professional, as an adult. Some I went to college with, right? So I even have the potential, and I knew a couple of the Weather Channel folks personally. So there's that, I have that risk, right? Am I making an emotional decision versus that cognitive choice? And, and again, does it matter? Is it the right combination? I had a local National Weather Service office close by growing up. Weather radio, I, you know, it was a gift I got as a kid. So I could turn that thing on and listen to the forecast. So I had a lot of choices growing up as to where I would get and count on my weather sources. And I made those choices over a long period of time. And I made those choices based on a lot of cases. That was me personally. Yes, I was a weather weenie as a kid. So, you know, I took the time to do that. Not everybody's going to do that. And not everybody has those choices. And I'll even tell you today, this is, this is why you know it's important where I am now. I wouldn't trust any of my local meteorologists in Atlanta to give me a forecast for where I am now because they don't know the area. But at the same time, not everybody has the benefit of having a local meteorologist where they are that knows what the local weather's like, that's lived there for a long time and can tell you this is where you know, the models tend to get it right or wrong. But it also gets back to that episode just a few back where I was talking about the models replacing the, the human component. And they're getting better and better enough to where in time, AI should, I don't think it's there today personally from what I've seen, replace the human. It, it takes some of the emotion out, but they should be able to say, well, this is the local influence and this is where the models tend to get it right or wrong. Okay, where the, the model bias is, we're not there today. So I still think you probably want a human interaction for a lot of things where you need a trustworthy forecast. So if I were making a decision today based on you know, having gone through this process before, what are the key things to me? If I'm evaluating my sources, number one, I never trust a single source. Never when it comes to life and death or anything that involves money or other people's lives, etc. But when I'm comparing, I say, okay, when they were wrong, were they the only one that made the error? Or did the whole group of people make the error? Two, are they up front with the issues? Again, I look for people who don't state, overstate confidence in a forecast. This is future prediction. There's always going to be some uncertainty, and in certain circumstances, that uncertainty is greater than others. Three, 
Do they know what they're talking about? I'm not saying even someone has to be, you know, have a, a degree in meteorology or a, an advanced degree in meteorology or earth sciences or atmospheric sciences or any of these things. But is there some basis for their knowledge more than them just liking to talk about it? Four, are they accessible when needed? Is this a source that's going to be providing forecast when you need a forecast? And last but not least, look internally to your own confirmation bias. I had a conversation with someone about that this very weekend. And the idea was pretty straightforward, which is we saw a news story. We had each seen the same news story. We had seen the reports from different sources, and so we had come to different conclusions. But because our news feeds tend to feed us sources that we use again and again, we're getting confirmation bias. So the goal should really be, I go read their source, they read my source, and let's then talk about it. But you got to be careful with that with weather too. Is Do you pick a weather person like we do with a lot of other things because they tend to think the same way you do? Be careful with that. Sometimes it's good to pick the contrarian view, or maybe if you have multiple views in your process, make sure there's a contrarian one in there so that you know that maybe you'll get a different opinion. So there you have it. I don't think it's that hard. Like I said, a lot of these things can be used in life. But it, the harder part is the grading, right? Did they get it right or wrong? And that's all, that's probably going to be mostly subjective for us as individuals. When you know doing things at a corporate level, I'm going to analyze the actual outputs in the forecast and try to gauge how they did. But you're not going to have, probably have time for that as an individual. Or nor does it make sense to try to have time. But hopefully, hopefully you can find a way to find somebody you can trust. And again, grade when you really need that. You know, is it 1% of the time? What circumstances? But just know. And the other time it may be for entertainment only. Just because you like the weather. There's nothing wrong with that either. Nothing wrong with watching someone on YouTube and supporting them if they help you. And if you're getting something out of it. I'm going to leave you with the following though. Right. You can think about weather and trust it the opposite way. That weather that makes you happy or makes you more positive does make you more likely to trust. So keep that in mind when you're out there going about that how you're feeling that day based on the weather. The weather's making you, eh, making you ah. It is likely influencing whether you're going to trust somebody or not. And why is that? Well, as we always say, it's likely because, as each of us knows, there's much more to weather than the weather itself.